Hi everyone, I'm your host, Andre Faraz, co-founder and CEO at Incognito. Welcome to Trust and Safety Mavericks, a show focused on topics related to online trust and safety and riding the next big wave. Welcome. This episode was originally a webinar hosted and recorded by ISMG. Our host, Tony Morbin, helped conduct the session, and we invited Felipe Cerqueira, Global Head of Operations at Rappi, one of the top food delivery players in Latin America. The topic of the conversation is location spoofing. In July 2022, Incogna has published an insights report on novel fraud schemes using location spoofing to target delivery apps. But why is location spoofing so important? Fraudsters spoof their location to take advantage of location-based services to swindle trusted users, food delivery companies, restaurants, gamers, and even people looking for a date. In addition, location spoofing is a way to hide fraud farms, which are large-scale fraud operations. Want to learn more about location spoofing? and how to fight back against this particular type of scam, listen to this Trust and Safety Mavericks episode. Hello, my name is Tony Morbin, Executive News Editor at ISMG, and I'm your moderator for today's webinar, Who is Faking Location? How are fraudsters using location spoofing to attack location-based apps? So let's jump straight into the questions. Andre. Can you tell us a little bit more about location spoofing? How exactly does it work? Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, basically, location spoofing is, is being used by fraudsters in many cases simply because they want to hide their true location. Right? They, they don't want to be found. So there are new fraud schemes that are being using location spoofing as, a, as an entry point. And here I'm going to share a little bit more about these issues. And during the conversation, we're going to talk about some real world use cases. So to bring a few examples here, one interesting one is, is from the online gaming space, right? So let's imagine a poker game, right? If you have a poker table with like five people, for example, and three out of these five are uh, colluding to try to manipulate that game, they can basically play it in a way that the other two that are not participating on that scheme will lose their, their money, right? So how does location spoofing come into something like this, right? You have a lot of online poker gaming applications, for example, right? So the three players that are trying to manipulate that game, they will be at the same location, right? And they would be using location spoofing techniques to show to the application that they are actually in different places. Otherwise, they would be blocked, right? So that's, that's an example of location spoofing being applied to fraudulent activity, in this case, in the online gaming space, right? But this applies to, to other things as well. Another topic that we're going to talk about here more specifically is delivery services, right? And also ride hailing. So applications that rely on location for logistical purposes. And what happens here is that, for example, on the driver side, there are incentives for these drivers that make like longer rides, for example. So a rider would use location spoofing to show to the system that they've made a very long ride so they would make more money, but they actually didn't even leave the place they were, right? So that's another possibility here. Or even some of these drivers could use location spoofing to sh show that they are at a certain location in which 
prices tend to be higher, for example, near airports, right? They would accept the rides. They would never show up. But if they accept the ride and the user doesn't arrive to their car, they would still make some money, right? So they could be like just sitting at home using location spoofing to accept a number of rides. They would never take anyone anywhere, but they would still be making money, right? So that's another issue. And then the, the other thing is around fraud farms, right? So basically when there is systematic type of fraud, right? So a more organized type of fraudulent activity, we see that many of these fraudsters are using location spoofing techniques to make it harder to be found, right? So the authorities, they usually get access to data from e-commerce companies and banking institutions. And once they analyze the data, they see the location information, they're not able to correlate that to a single place in which that fraudulent activity is happening from. So in this case, by detecting location spoofing, we're able to identify the true location in which the fraudulent activity is happening. And then we can block that in a way that makes the life of the fraudster harder. And finally, the last category here would be social and dating platforms. And location spoofing is being used usually to enable these people to create fake accounts and to access content from specific regions, for example. So one of our customers is a, is a social media company, right? And, and they have been struggling with this issue around misinformation and fake news and hate speech, et cetera. And one of the ways they found to attack this problem was by leveraging location signals to identify that multiple accounts were being accessed and created from the same location, right? So it was not a coincidence that so many phones and so many accounts were related to the same place. So in that way, they can relate all of those accounts. And by linking all of those accounts, they're able to detect these bad actors, take down their accounts and block them from creating new accounts in the future, right? Same applies to dating. We've seen some, even some documentaries on Netflix talking about uh, Tinder and the types of scams that were going on on platforms like that. So the same concept here could be applied, right? Once you identify the bad actor, you leverage location signals to block that particular place so that that person is not able to access the service anymore, even if they buy new phones and, and do things like that. So getting into more, a little bit more technical here, there are basically five ways in which fraudsters are spoofing their location, in which they're hiding their true location. The first one is related to IP-based geolocation. So with the IP address of a user, you're able to locate them usually down to the city level. So it's not super precise. You can identify in which city that person is, but you're not able to identify, for example, in which street or in which building that device is located. But still, fraudsters are able to spoof that type of information, right? So for example, if a fraudster from a different country, let's say North Korea or Russia is trying to attack a financial institution in the US, right? They could use a proxy or a VPN to show an IP from the US. So the banking institution would not flag that as suspicious, but they're actually somewhere else, right? And they're committing this fraud from a, a different location, a different country, a different jurisdiction, right? So that's the first part here, which is the most basic type of location spoofing. But when we're talking about mobile applications, then these applications are able to get a lot more accurate information about location because they have access not only to the IP addresses, but also to the GPS information, right? So the operating systems, both Android and iOS, they enable developers to access data from the GPS. But there is an issue there, which is for 
these developers, the two platforms, they have decided to build a feature that enables developers to test their applications as if they were in different locations. Why was this created, right? Because there are many global apps that have different functionalities depending on the country. So for example, if we, we look at a ride-hailing company like Uber or Lyft, right, they have different policies for different countries. So in the US, for example, you can only pay with your credit card, but in countries like Brazil, you can pay with cash, right? So you have to have different versions of the, the same application running for different locations. So if I'm a developer, right, working on that application and, and I'm currently here located in California, but I'm developing a feature for the Brazilian version of Uber, I need to have a way to test that feature that I just developed, right? And that's what was built by the operating system so that the developer can test their applications as if they were in different locations. So that's a feature, but unfortunately that feature is being exploited by bad actors to spoof their location information, right? So the most popular form of location spoofing when it comes to GPS is the use of GPS spoofing apps, right? So anyone could go to the App Store or Google Play Store. If you search for fake GPS or GPS spoofing, for example, you're gonna find a number of applications that enable you to spoof that information. So it's a very accessible type of tool that anyone can use. You don't have to be like a, a hacker on a basement with a hoodie, anyone can do it. So it's super accessible for fraudsters. That's why it's so popular. A side note here is that one of the apps that popularized the use of location spoofing applications was actually the gaming app from Pokemon called Pokemon Go. And the reason why it popularized this type of, of application was that in certain locations, you could find specific types of Pokemons that were more valuable, like Central Park in New York, for example. So people from all over the world would spoof their location to show that they were at the Central Park and they would be able to capture those Pokemon. So actually, that was the moment in which location spoofing became popular and everybody started downloading. And then the fraudsters identified an opportunity with that and, and started using it for malicious purposes. So GPS spoofing is the most popular form of, of spoofing for GPS data. But you also have emulators, instrumentation tools, and app tampering as other alternatives for fraudsters to, to spoof this type of information. So finally, just to fill more data points here, talking more about delivery apps. On Incognizant Network, we have identified a number of users spoofing location information. So on average, we see about 1.9 million location events that are being spoofed. And we have identified that on the same month, about 13,000 devices were generating location data with spoofed information, right? So there is volume there. So basically we're talking about potentially 13,000 fraudsters or hackers that are finding ways to commit fraud in these delivery applications. So this is a single industry in a specific region and we're able already to see high volumes, right? And then finally, just a quick explanation on how Incognit is able to detect location spoofing and identify the true location of the user. The main thing we do is we create what we call location fingerprints, right? So instead of relying on the OS level location information, we capture data from other sensors like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, even a GPS. And we combine all of those things, creating the equivalent of a fingerprint for each location, right? So 
For example, in this place, there is a unique set of Wi-Fi signals and Bluetooth signals that don't exist anywhere else, right? So we create a fingerprint based on that. And if we identify a mismatch between the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth data and the GPS signal, we know that there is GPS spoofing going on, for example, right? Other things we do are the device integrity checks, which are basically analyzing if there are misconfigurations on that device or if there are apps that are used for this type of malicious purposes. If we identify this type of misconfiguration or suspicious apps, we would flag that device as suspicious as well. So we would potentially block it or we would not use the data that, that is coming from that device. And then finally, we have the concept that we call watch list, which are basically devices, locations, networks that we flagged as suspicious once we identified that there was fraudulent activity related to it, right? So if the fraudster comes back to us, we would re-identify them, even if they're using different devices, because the location will be the same. And we would identify that location as a fraud farm, which is very prevalent uh, because most of the fraudsters, they are professionals. They do that for a living. So they do that recurrently. And once we identify the place in which they operate, we force them to move out. So we make the operation more expensive, more complex, and they usually go away to try to defraud other institutions. So that's mm -hmm. that's all I had for today. Happy to dive into the, the questions. Thank you. Certainly. And, and that's really fascinating because I must admit there were some applications that I hadn't thought of. And, uh, and of course, there's more applications used location you're going to have even more uh, use cases. In fact, I just thought of one, which is uh, here in Europe, we have uh, pay TV, which you can premium pay TV. You can often get free to air from another territory if you spoof your location. So, yeah. Andrew, can you also tell us a little bit more about how what you found from your new insights report on location spoofing fraud? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing is, is that there is a lot of volume. Like it's incredible, like how many people are leveraging these techniques for different purposes, right? So some of them are using to access content that they, they shouldn't have access to with the example you, you just gave, right? So in the entertainment and media industry, that's a big problem. In industries like food delivery, for example, there are these abuses related to incentives. So I think Felipe can, can talk a little bit more about that, for example. And yeah, and overall, like every fraudster is trying to hide their true location. So so that's why the volumes are, are so high, right? They don't want to be found. So if you identify location spoofing, you are a few steps away from actually catching that fraudster. And that's the most important piece because once we identify the bad actor, we need to make sure that we're able to block them over time so they don't come back because that's the issue, right? There's always going to be fraud. You'll never be able to bring fraud to zero. But if we're able to block repeat fraud, repeat bad actors, you're able to have a much safer environment for your customers. And Philippe, uh, Andre sort of suggested there that, you know, uh, Rappi has had a challenge with uh, location spoofing. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, of course. So as you mentioned during my presentation, Happy has millions of, of users, right? So I guess it's easy to understand that identity check is a big thing for us. And location spoofing is a big part of it. And um, basically we have users faking their location in the platform, just like Andreas said, for their own benefits. So one of our challenges being one step ahead of those users, mapping the latest identity falsification trends 
And, and that's where Incognito comes in. And not only they are helping us keep the pace of new trends, of new spoofing trends, right? But most importantly, through their services, we are being able to better identify fraudulent access. And in terms of examples, uh, we have a big range of scenarios, right? From simple fake GPS to elaborate device fingerprint hacking. And Andrea mentioned the Pokemon Go example. And, and as a matter of fact, we have actually learned from their experience. And we actually have done some, some changes based on, on lessons learned from Pokemon Go, which is, uh, uh, as Andrea mentioned, I guess it was when it became popular. And one of the most simple examples that we have is users checking in on a certain location when they are not actually there. They do it so they can, for instance, close an order and move to the next one as fast as possible. In a more elaborate example on top of that previous one, it's when they do it with multiple accounts being accessed in the same device so they can optimize even more their performance on their platform, right? In an even more elaborate one, it's when they do it by hacking the device fingerprint features that we currently have so it gets even harder to track. An interesting variation of this sort of fraud is uh, when you know careers, partners, and, and users, they collude creating, uh, let's say, a fake order to speed up their earnings. And if they can spoof their location, they're able to do it faster and close more orders in a shorter period of time. And another different kind of example, which is actually where Incognis is helping us uh, more, is users that lend their accounts to other people which impacts very negatively on the safety of the whole environment. They basically emulate their location, you know, on their default locations, let's say like that, when, when they normally log in. And they do it to avoid, you know, the security checks features that we have. And then it's easier to just, you know, lend their account to, to someone else. Yeah, I can see how you could be using that for basically spoofing your, your behavioral analytics. Andrew, what, what sort of other examples have you got regarding the impact of location spoofing in other industries? for companies and trusted users. Perfect. Yeah, so when we talk about fraud, like all of these different schemes could be reduced to two main issues, right? Which are one, the ability to create fake accounts or multiple accounts, and two, the ability to access multiple accounts, right? So in pretty much every industry, when it comes to like digital commerce and digital banking, et cetera, has to deal with this type of problem. And location spoofing comes in because it makes it more scalable, right? So for example, if I'm trying to create multiple accounts on a banking platform, because the purpose here is to, to launder money, right? With these fake accounts, what would I do? Well, I would have access to multiple IDs. Some of these could be fake IDs. Some of these could be stolen IDs. There were multiple data breaches recently, right? So this data is out there for sale. And when I start the application process on a bank to, to create my account, one of the data points that this bank wants to check is one, is this person located at this country, right? That's the most basic thing they want to verify. Like if, if someone is trying to open a bank account in a bank that is based in the US, this person should be here, right? So the fraudster could be anywhere else in the world. And if they're using location spoofing, the bank would recognize them as if they were in the US. So they would probably have an easier process for opening their account, right? So that's one of the ways in which a fraudster could leverage location spoofing 
to open multiple accounts, right? So they, they could be in different locations. They could be doing that. Some banks are a little bit more sophisticated. So they check not only if you are in that country, but they would actually validate your address information. So for example, when you scan your driver's license, your home address is right there, right? So some banks, what they do is they try to match that to the GPS location of that phone to see if you are actually near or at that address, right? If the fraudster is using GPS spoofing tools, they could spoof the location information to show as if they were at that address. So the bank would allow them to open that account, right? So making sure that the location data that you're analyzing is trustworthy, it's, it's legitimate, is really important. So you're able to identify these accounts and tell the difference between a legitimate account and fraudulent activity, right? So that's for account opening. That applies to banking, but it applies in the same way to food delivery, right? So when you're onboarding a driver or a courier to your platform, you want to make sure that you can trust that person. You want to ask for some information so you can validate them. So for example, one good thing would be to understand like what's this user's phone number, their name, but also their address, right? That's another way to verify that. If you don't have protections for location spoofing, they could open fake accounts. So that's the first piece, creating fake accounts. The second part is related to accessing multiple accounts, right? So there is a lot of social engineering going out there. There are many fraudsters that are being able to convince end users to share their credentials, like passwords and one-time passcodes, for example. And once they have access to that data, they're able to take over your account. And again, this applies to banking, food delivery, online commerce, gaming, every digital application that stores some kind of value is a target for this. Because for example, the courier apps, these people have actually a, like a, a balance there that they can transfer to a bank account. So if I take over an account of a courier, I could change the banking information and I could withdraw the money that's on that balance to my account instead of the account of the, the owner of that app. So for fraudsters accessing multiple accounts, you can use location to identify what we call device farms, right? Or, or fraud farms. But if you don't have protections for location spoofing, it's not going to work, right? You have to be able to identify the true location. So you see, okay, from this single house, for example, or from this single location, we're seeing 10, 20, 30, 50 logins a day, right? That's not normal activity. We should be expecting much less. So if we identify this very high activity in terms of, of accounts being accessed. And it could be from a single device. It could be from hundreds of devices, but the location would be the same. You would be able to block that, right? So having access to spoofing resistant location information would enable you to stop these bad actors from doing this. So essentially, that's a proxy for identifying good and bad behavior so that you can stop the creation of multiple fake accounts, of systematic account opening, in the same way you can stop the fraudsters from accessing accounts that they don't own. So yeah, as, as well as um, you know, enterprises, uh, banks sounds like a great tool for law enforcement. Might even provide evidence for their, uh, you know, of crimes. So how exactly does uh, Incognia detect fraudsters spoofing location? Perfect. So the first part is, as I said, like the 
the device integrity check. So we want to make sure that we can trust that device. Right. So for example, if we detect that that's not a real device, it's actually an emulator, right? That's something we, we would catch. That's something we would block. If that device has some misconfiguration or some like privileged access, for example, like root, in that way, we would identify that that device is risky, not necessarily is a bad actor, right? But there is a higher risk that that person could spoof location. Besides that, besides analyzing the device's configuration, the other things we do is to analyze the applications that are present on that device, right? So if we identify that there is a GPS spoofing application there, that's a very strong indicator that that person could be spoofing location, right? Same applies to identifying app tempering tools. So there are applications that enable you to create multiple instances of the same app, right? You can clone the app so you can access multiple accounts at the same time from that same device, right? So identifying these app tempering tools and also instrumentation tools is very critical because these applications, they give a lot of power to the user so they can temper with the source code of the application. And once you're able to do that, you can do pretty much everything, right? So being able to detect these suspicious patterns is the first layer of defense. The second layer is mostly around analyzing network information, right? So we want to identify if the user is logging in from an IP address that was flagged as suspicious in the past. If we see that again, we would probably block that user or at least flag them as suspicious. We also want to analyze the Wi-Fi information. So if that user is connected to a Wi-Fi router that was used by fraudsters in the past, that's probably a fraud farm, right? And then finally, we also use the Wi-Fi scanning and Bluetooth scanning to fingerprint the location and to identify the true location of that device. So when we compare that location information to the GPS data, if there is a mismatch, we identify that there is location spoofing going on. So it's a mix. It's a mix of analyzing network information, analyzing sensor data, analyzing the configuration of, of the device and even the applications that are installed on that device. And it's a cat and mouse game. Like fraudsters are always changing their techniques. So you have to evolve, you have to be ahead because they move quickly. So Philippe, did you want to answer that? Yeah, sorry, sorry to jump in. Uh, actually, I wanted to ask you about this cat and mouse situation. So. One of the cool things that Incognito is doing for us is that you're helping us, you know, to keep pace of, uh, of the trends. And how do you do so? How do you make sure you are on one step ahead of everyone, of the fraudsters? Perfect. Yeah, that's super challenging. Like, it requires a lot of research. Another thing that helps a lot is that we are working in many different industries. So we have customers in the banking space. We have social media companies. We have gaming companies. We have food delivery, e-commerce. And, and we also act in, in different geographies, right? So we have operations in the US, in Latin America, Europe, Southeast Asia. So what's interesting is that we are watching different things in different locations and in different industries, right? So usually we see the transition. So as an example, about two years ago, we started seeing a trend in Latin America of fraudsters using bots on social media to social engineer users to give away their credentials, right? So the way it happened was if you followed the social media page of a bank, for example, a bot would follow you back and their name would be very similar to the bank. There would probably be a, like a, a, a typo or something like that. So the user wouldn't even notice. 
the logo was the same. So the user would think that that was the bank starting the interaction, right? And the initial conversations like seemed uh, legit, right? The bot would ask you for feedback. How is it going? Um, how do you like our application? Please provide feedback. Please rate us on the app store. So the user wouldn't find that suspicious, right? But at some point, the bot would send you uh, transaction information asking if you made that transaction because they flagged it as suspicious. So that immediately puts the user in a state of mind of vulnerability because they would be concerned like someone is trying to steal me, right? And then the bot would start asking questions. Okay, if this wasn't you, this was probably fraud. We need to check your account. We will need to log into your account to analyze more information. So I need you to share some information with us. And then the bot starts asking for information that eventually will give the fraudster the ability to take over that user's account, right? So it's a pretty sophisticated type of attack. It started in last America two years ago. And recently, we started seeing this same type of attack happening in the US with fraudsters trying to take over the user's accounts so they could send money using Zelle, which is an instant payments platform that is present in the US, right? So we saw that transition. And now that we're being asked by US banks for this, we already know how to solve that problem, right? The opposite has happened recently in which we saw certain activity from fraudsters spoofing location in like US institutions in which they were using that to validate their address information while applying for a bank account, right? And then we started seeing that happening in emerging markets a couple months later, right? So by being present in so many different industries and so many different geographies enable us to identify these issues earlier and then apply the learnings to all of our customers. So understand that you're foreseeing some trends coming from one place to another, right? And when you see, when Incognito see new fraud types coming in, how do you work on that? I mean, how do you approach your customers? How do you approach your, your teams, you know, to tackle it? Perfect. Yeah, so that happens in two ways. The first one is we're very close to our customers. One thing we decided to do was, was to focus on very large accounts. So basically companies that handle millions of customers because then we can have a closer relationship with them. So basically with every customer, we have recurring meetings to understand how the product is performing, if there are new types of fraudulent activity happening. And once we learn something new and we implement that to our platform, then we update the product for all of our customers, right? So we go back to them and say, okay, here's an update. You need to update the integration for this version. If you wanna protect your application from this type of attack, this is how it works etc. So there's a lot of collaboration between our teams and our customers that enable us to learn more quickly and apply these learnings to, to everyone. So scale is super important here, like being able to be present in multiple industries, multiple geographies is really what enables us to move quickly in regards to that. And this close relationship that we develop with customers is, is key. Thanks for our reply, Andre. I'm just a quick question on, on a totally different area. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, preventing spoofing to protect the end users and to protect the organizations. 
But what about when you've got a legitimate end user who is a subject of investigation and it turns out that they are legitimate, but their given location is PII. So does Incognia know where the users are? Are, are you invading their privacy? Perfect. That's a, that's a very important question. So Incognia, even the, the name of the company stands for anonymity, right? So it, it comes from the Latin word incognito, which means like a person in disguise. So basically what we're building here is a digital identity that is a proxy for you to access online services while protecting your personal information, your real world identity, let's say. So what we do is we're able to build this digital identity based on device information, right? So that includes all of the device fingerprinting techniques that we apply, but also the, the location fingerprinting techniques that we use. But we don't need to really know who's that person. So we don't have access to their name. We don't have access to their email address, to their phone number, anything that can help someone reach out to that person in the real world, let's say, is not ingested by our platform. And even the location data itself is anonymized because what we really need is to analyze the location data relative to the user's legitimate behavior, right? So we're, we don't even need to know where you are in the world. What we need to know is if you are at a location that you go frequently, and if you are at a location that you go frequently, the likelihood that this is you is very high. And by identifying that, we're able to let these users experience a frictionless authentication process, right? So they don't need to type passwords. They don't need to scan their faces. They don't need to go through many hoops to verify their identity. But if we identify a mismatch or that the user is at a location that was used by a fraudster in the past, for example, we would flag them as suspicious and we would challenge them to prove their real identity. If it's a good user, they're going to pass that challenge. If it's a bad actor, they will be blocked, right? So being able to do that without really knowing who's that person is critical to us because matching personal data that can identify you with location information could be dangerous, right? So that's why we have this clear separation between like device-related information and personal data. The personal data doesn't come into our servers. We only analyze the device-related information. A point that I have here, it's, it's what you just answered about, you know, the friction. It's a bit different from what Tony asked. So a big thing about fraud is ensuring that we use, you know, our, our features, our fraudulent features, generating the least friction possible to the legit users, let's say like that. And this is one of the things that, again, Incognia is helping us, and I know it's helping the market as well. It's having more valid information before you know, taking the decision to actually uh, generate a very big friction, you know, like a, a selfie, a liveness, and stuff like that. We can read Incognia uh, information before doing so, and then we have we can you know have a more seamless, more smooth experience uh, for our customers and users. Yes, the sure. topic of friction. Just following up on, on that is very critical because what happens today is that the standard behavior from these applications is to, to challenge everybody, right? So even if you're logging into your account from the same device that you always use, from the same location that you're usually at when you use that service, they will always ask you for the password, right? And sometimes you forget that password. Sometimes 
you don't have access to your wallets where you store this type of information, for example. And that friction could lead to basically the user saying, well, I'm not doing this now. I'm doing like sometime in the future and, and they end up not buying your service. Uh, they end up not using your service. So, so that's bad for the business, right? So friction usually makes users go away. And especially now when we start seeing more and more applications implementing passwordless authentication, offering a better user experience, we're starting to see users transitioning, right? So they want to move away from more bureaucratic institutions that ask a lot of questions to institutions that offer a more frictionless experience and being able to ensure that you can trust that user by analyzing those signals is critical because you also don't want to bring security down, right? You want to maintain security or even improve it while you enhance the user experience. Okay. Now we're pretty much ready to wrap up, but uh, I don't know, Andre, if you want to just give us any key takeaway that you want the audience to get out of today's webinar. Well, I would say that the key takeaway here is that, especially if your company or service is present on mobile applications, location is a, a signal that can help you do a lot, that can help you deliver a frictionless experience, that can help you enhance security, prevent fraud, but only if you make sure that you are protected from location spoofing because the fraudsters already know how to do it. It's really accessible. So if you want to leverage location signals for security purposes, you need to make sure that you have strong location spoofing detection capabilities. Otherwise, instead of enhancing your security controls, instead of improving the user experience, you could be actually opening a security vulnerability on your application. So it's important to be aware of that because it's a very strong and valuable signal, but it has to be carefully implemented so it doesn't create more problems than, than you have today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Trust and Safety Mavericks. Subscribe to our show to be notified about every new episode and follow Incognit and me, Andre Faraz, on LinkedIn and Twitter.